Coming to you live from Plug Hit Studios in beautiful Largo, Florida, we are keeping you plugged in with episode 437 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology. This week, Lenovo makes it easy to steal your data, Google makes a big push kind of out of fiber, and Netflix considers playing offline. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. I'm Scott. Oh, and he's muted. Try again. I'm Avram. And we are here. And wherever you are and however you are accessing our show, whether it be Facebook, uh, iTunes, the uh, F5Live.tv, Livestream, Stitcher, um, any of the podcatchers on Android, iOS, and Windows Phone, or, of course, on our apps, pluckitslive.com slash apps. We appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day to join us. This right here is uh, F5 Live Refreshing Technology, our flagship show here on the Plug Hits Live family of content. We are live every Sunday night, hopefully, uh, starting at about 9 p.m. Eastern, going for about an hour, depending on the topics that we have to talk about. Um, of course, if you can't join us live, that is okay. You can hear the full show in studio quality sound, uh, usually uh, Sunday nights, late Sunday nights before your uh, trip to school, work, or what have you, Monday morning. Uh, the video is usually shortly behind. Uh, we've been a little behind in general because our regular viewers will recognize that we are still adjusting to our our new lives. Uh, you will see that Nick is again not with us uh, this evening and Avram is joining me. You will also notice that Avram's screen has returned next to me because um, it just even for me seemed wrong to not have the physical Avram next to me. So I feel like Max Headroom now. <laughs> well, it's uh I guess it's not too far from the truth with, you know, the talking head next to me. Uh, but um if you uh if you are joining us live, you can always subscribe as well. We appreciate it, obviously viewership is how we get paid so uh, if you want to subscribe to this show or any of the other shows including the pilch point with avram pilch uh, the 3000 brigade the nightcap our special events and our new show first looks all about robotics and action uh, you can do that by going to plughitslive.com and clicking the subscribe buttons on the right hand side they're all over there for you um, you can also go to plughitslive.com slash subscribe and you can see all of the shows that are there and all of the many, many ways that you can interact with us. Um, but however you are joining us, we appreciate it. Before we get into the show this evening, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the fact that the show has been um, a little unpredictable lately. Um, there have been a number of things going on uh around us and around our lives that have uh, <laughs> caused some problems, uh, personally, professionally, kind of all around. Um, for a while, we were moving the studio, which we 
we discussed before the move happened and we were offline for a little while. Um, and with, with Nick not being physically here anymore, his, uh, his participation has been, uh, difficult. Um, and when one of us is not available, obviously, uh, in the past, you know, if, if I wasn't available, Nick could do the show with Avram or if Nick wasn't available, I could do the show with Avram. Um, but now that it's currently down to just Avram and I, um, it of course means that if I'm unavailable, that's it, right? Because the control room is here in the studio. So, um, two weeks ago we promised, um, a show, uh, Avram and I did a show three weeks ago. We promised a show two weeks ago. Obviously, our uh, our viewers and listeners know that that did not happen. Um, as most of the world knows, uh, that morning, uh, the tragedy in Orlando happened. I'm going to probably cry. So, um, I had a good friend who uh, was there and died. And so... Avram and I decided it was best to just not deal with the show that night because um, I was a mess. We didn't know his condition <laughs> at the time of the show. And I was, if this is a mess now, you should have seen me two weeks ago. <laughs> um, but that's why we didn't have the show two weeks ago. We didn't make any announcements or anything because uh, the world wasn't paying attention to us anyway. Uh, for good reason, there was obviously something far more important going on in the world uh, that evening. So Avery and I decided it was it was for the best to just dump out of the show that night, let myself and him and the rest of the world deal with the important thing that was going on. Um, one thing that I do want to do is uh, thank a couple of people, um, actually people who almost... Probably our regular listeners and viewers know all of them. Uh, um, Danielle and Michelle and Alante and uh, Mark Louder, um, who have all... Uh, Michelle, for those who don't know, is our special events uh, studio director. Uh, she actually directs and produces our special event shows when we're out on the road. Uh, whether it be Gulf Coast Maker Con or uh, the First Look Show or even uh, Collision when we were out in Las Vegas for Collision last year. Uh, Michelle directs and produces all of those shows for us. Um, and her daughter is Danielle, who is oftentimes my, uh, my sidekick for those types of shows. Um, and, of course, she's at our CES coverage and all of that. Uh, Mark Lauder uh, filled in for Nick uh, when his wife was uh pregnant a couple of times and then alante uh was one of our hosts of this show for a number of years when we had far too many people in the studio and <laughs> he has also uh gone to ces with us i believe twice and has been around the company for a long time um i want to thank all of them uh for their support last week um I had to go to both a wake and a funeral and uh, it was very difficult and I could not have done it without the support of my good friends. So I want to thank, <laughs> I want to thank the four of you for, for being with me, uh, especially Mark 
who was there for the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Um, it was very difficult. So uh, thank you to the four of you. I'm going to stop crying. And uh, I also want to thank Avram, who <laughs> over the last couple of months has been uh, a great sounding board for all of the things that have been falling apart around <laughs> me. Um, Avram's always a good person to talk to, and I appreciate it. Thank you. I don't have a lot to say to say because you. I think you said it all, except to say that I'm just very proud of you for how you've you've handled all of this and pulled through it as best you can. Well, I appreciate that. I've certainly tried. <laughs> it has not been easy, but with with my friends around me, it's been at least easier, I suppose. So, you know, a harder thing. To, you know, it's hard to. Hmm. There's not much I have to wisdom I have here, but you know I I'm I'm really uh, you know really admire the strength that you've shown. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, before we get to topics, I just want to say um, the support that that uh, Drew has received, uh, who is my friend who died um, internationally, is unbelievable. I've been seeing because today. Uh, Sunday night is the end, the last weekend of June. Uh, there are pride parades happening all over uh, the world. And I have been seeing photos from from as close as uh, St. Pete and Tampa, and then as far as uh, San Fran and London, where uh, people have been holding signs with his name and picture, which has been uh, fascinating to see somebody I've known my entire life, my or at least my entire adult life, um, being recognized around the world like that. So, pretty cool. Anyway, um, on that note, how about we uh, talk about some tech news and tech disasters? This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. It is getting to be that back to school time and it is time for a lot of people to pick up a new computer and you can do that at the Microsoft Store right now. Um, everything from the Surface 3, the Surface Pro 4, the Surface Book, all available as well as lots and lots of other computers. Um, and if computers aren't what you're looking for, uh, the Xbox One has just taken another uh, price cut. In the United States, you can pick one up right now, sans the Connect, with an extra game for $279. And if you remember, they premiered at $399 for that particular model. So that's a great deal. Um, the Kinect bundles are still there. Everything has been discounted because the Xbox One S uh, has been announced, and so they're trying to get rid of the first gen. And of course, you know everything else Microsoft is also available from Windows Phone to Windows 10, uh, Office, and Azure, and all of that. You can get it by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. I still want a Surface Book. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pre they're pretty good. Although I'm I'm really curious to see how they follow it up. Absolutely. Um, 
I like the uh, the discrete video card. Is really the that's an awesome addition to that device. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. What we're going to talk about tonight is Lenovo. Um, obviously, something that's been very important to us, including Avram. Uh, we talk about it a lot. Is personal security right? Um, there are lots of ways to uh, to get your data stolen or uh... <laughs> one would think one would think personal security would be important to everyone and I do believe it is but you know, I won't I won't digress I was on a panel for smart home this week where a couple of the expert panelists who are who I was moderating claimed that people aren't the general public isn't concerned about their security uh, and to that I say until something happens uh-huh exactly like um, uh, a LinkedIn password breach or a Twitter password breach or Target's credit card information being stolen. All of those things come from vulnerabilities in software. Now, we see those vulnerabilities come from all kinds of places, right? You download, you click a bad link on a website or you download uh, a bad app from an app store or something like that. And all of a sudden, all of your contacts have been sent off to somebody else or a keylogger has been installed to watch you type your password for the bank or, you know, all kinds of things um, come from security, uh, from software exploits. Um, one of the places that we wish we did not have to expect those exploits to come from, um, but we're learning more and more we need to, is from the software that's pre-installed on your computer by the company who manufactured it. <laughs> we remember, um, what was it, last year, I believe, uh, there was Superfish from Lenovo. We've seen a number of those types of things uh, happen over the last couple of years. Unfortunately, uh, Lenovo made it in the news again this week because their uh, Solution Center product installed on most Lenovo desktops and laptops had two vulnerabilities in them that uh, made stealing data very easy. Uh, the, the first one allowed uh, any code to be executed as the local system. So um, basically what that means is uh, it bypasses the user authentication control or user access control, which for our general users who don't know what UAC is, it's the yellow dialog box that comes up when you have accidentally tried to install something off of the internet. Um, or purposely tried to install something uh, from anywhere. Uh, you get the little dialog box that says, um, something's trying to do something, are you sure you want to do this? And there's a yes, no. Uh, that's UAC, and um, in addition to that, there's the ability to have uh, standard user accounts. Um, for example, I keep my parents' accounts on their computer at standard user so that they can't say yes to that dialogue box um, because most, pe honestly, most people don't install a whole lot of software, um, my parents included, and anything that they do install is by accident. And so with stuff like that, um, you can prevent uh, accidental installations. Well, this bypasses all of that. Oops. I was having a discussion just Friday with um, one of my, with uh, several of my colleagues about bloatware. Uh -huh. 
Um, and you could you can argue back and forth whether something like Solution Center is bloatware. It's preloaded. It does help you a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think I believe Solution Center is the part where it sort of automatically tries to download drivers. But I, depending on which Lenovo thing you get, I think it may also just be like advertising a lot of stuff to you, like buy some accessories. Um, I think. I think you're right. Um, I, I'm 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 actually on a on a uh, let's see do I have do I have it on this computer now? Uh, anyway, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a really good argument that first even first party software, you know, I mean, it's the worst is when you have things like Wild Tangent games on there. Like, no, dude, I don't need your your you know your games i don't need you know like if i want yeah. the free the 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 crappy solitaire that tries this card game that tries to sell me extra stuff i could have downloaded it on my own uh and or things even that you probably do want but they're kind of pushing on you like when you when you get a computer and facebook is preloaded like well you know what we probably do want facebook or we probably do want twitter but don't force it on me i could download it myself absolutely you know so I think there's a good argument to be made that when you buy a computer, you should probably go around uninstalling the bloatware and even the first-party stuff. But some of that first-party stuff is somewhat useful. Absolutely. For example, um, things that do download drivers from the manufacturer site for you uh, can be helpful because, uh, unfortunately, the Windows update uh, usually doesn't get you the latest and greatest drivers. It gets you a competent driver, but it may not get you, say, the latest touchpad driver. And not having the latest might be the difference between having a really good touchpad experience and having a jumpy one. You know, they may not get you the latest, greatest video driver. Uh, they may not get you the latest, greatest, you know, Wi-Fi or, or whatever. So, right. you know, it's good to have the latest, greatest you know, driver, uh, and if something's going to alert you to that, that's useful. And then if the software itself is giving you some type of a control panel, uh, you know, like oh, instead of just using the Windows mouse control, now I have this really fine tuned control over over the touchpad, right? Because that's something that Windows does not often does not give you on its own. It's like oh, do I want to enable the different gestures and things like that? Right. So some of that software is really necessary, and that's what's kind of annoying you know especially bad about it potentially hurting your security but things that aren't absolutely necessary uninstall them the minute you get your computer absolutely uh, i've i've even heard did you hear this that microsoft is working on some type of um i haven't gotten the beta for this but something new for windows where you'll be able to issue a reset that resets your computer clears all of the bloatware uh during the reset Nice. That was, uh, I believe, that's something that's being tested. I have to get that, though, to, to actually see how true that is because mm-hmm. everyone's in on this bloatware game. Yep. You, you know, for those who are watching and wondering... Including Microsoft. Exactly. Why, why is there bloatware on my computer? Why is there a Facebook on my computer? Or usually Facebook is the one that annoys you. Why is there like a Candy Crush Soda Saga by the, there are a couple, as you mentioned. Candy Crush Soda Saga is one that Microsoft puts on there. You know, it's not put on there by uh, Lenovo or Dell. 
it's it's put on there it, on every Windows 10 PC. There's a couple of those. I think Candy Crush Soda Saga is one, and is a Flipboard. There's yeah. like two or three of them that Microsoft puts. You know, in addition to Microsoft's own stuff, which you could argue back and forth whether somebody really wants, uh, you know, Bing Sports or not. Right. But, um, you know, it's a money game. They get paid for it. Absolutely. They they all get paid for it. You know, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. Because um, if they were, they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't put any of it there. It's it's all it's all you know to defray the cost of your computer now. I don't. Do you remember Scott a few years ago that Sony, when Sony used to sell computers, which they don't anymore, they had something called like the Fresh Start, and you'd pay an extra fifty dollars and you'd get no bloatware. Yep. Or so the hundred and fifty dollars that you can pay to uh, to Best Buy if you purchase your computer from them to do the so, same thing. So my question to all of you is to everybody: Would you pay fifty dollars not to have that? One hundred fifty dollars. Five dollars, even. Say it I wouldn't. It depends, um, based on I the would. amount of, like, for myself, depending on the amount yeah. of time that it might take me to, uh, to remove all of that at the beginning of a new PC, versus you know how much I charge my clients. There's yeah. a certain number that my time would be worth. I, I suppose. I guess the question is, is it really that much time? Do I have someone ready to pay me money for that time? Right. Uh, if I do, yeah, then, you know, my time, if I'm like a lawyer and I'm getting paid $300 an hour and this is going to take me half an hour to install, well, maybe it's worth $50 not to do it. Right. Um, but, you know, I think for for a lot of people, you know what, you know, I won't pay extra because I can remove it. Now, on right. a phone, it's more of a crime because... It's harder to remove things on a phone. You're kind of disabling, not necessarily deleting things when you're if you're on an Android phone. Um, so, you know, I guess one of the first things that you should do when you get your computer is go through that stuff and start on. Yeah, make make smart decisions about which things are currently installed, which ones you don't want to have installed, and make them go away. Are you still there, Abram? I feel like maybe you're not. That sounds like a no. So I'll go ahead and mute him and see if we can get his call back. Um, but yeah, I I totally agree. I think that the first thing that should happen is I have a still photo of him behind me. Uh, the first thing that should happen is you should pull that kind of software off your computer. Um, I'm going to unmute him and see if. Are you there, Abram? Yeah, wait, am I, do you see me now? Oh, I see you now. Hooray. It's weird. It cut off for like a second. Yeah, it was kind of strange. Anyway, so, um, so not, again, well, you should get make smart decisions and get rid of the things that you can get rid of, but not necessarily everything can go. And like we said, this is the kind of tool that might be useful for a lot of people. Um, I guess the other thing, there, the second flaw in this was that um, you could terminate uh, processes, whether they were yours or not, which means that um, before the bad link that you clicked online that disabled, that gave you the ability to use the Lenovo problem to install without letting you know, 
uh, probably under normal circumstances would probably get caught by an antivirus, right? Oh, unless they take advantage of the second flaw and terminate your antivirus first. So <sighs> they were a perfect pair of exploits uh, to work together to ruin somebody's day. <laughs> Well, I feel bad for Lenovo. I really do. I fall, uh, although I feel worse for their customers. Absolutely. But, but they, you know, Snapfish, that people heard about that. They were embarrassed. Yeah. And now they let this happen. Mm, you know. Uh, Maybe it's yeah, time I, to uh, replace your developers. Maybe, it's, uh, you know, it's time to look at some of the, you know, things that are, at, at look at quality control. You know, yeah, that's quality, quality that's control, sure. quality control of your products. You know? Absolutely. All right. Well, how about on that note? This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. From the headphones that I'm wearing on my head, the Monster Elements, to the DNA, on-ear, over-ear, in-ear, eye sport, all of the, the headphones available from Monster Products. Uh, the thing that, make, that sets them apart is Noel Lee's personal commitment to sound quality. Um, whether it be music or vocals or... Uh, speaking, it doesn't matter. Uh, Noel has focused on pure monster sound. And what that means for you is however the studio recorded it, whatever it is that they wanted you to hear is what you're going to hear. It's not going to overemphasize the bass or the treble or anything. What you're going to hear is as if you were in the room with them while they were recording it. It's exactly what they wanted you to hear. And there's a whole line, a whole collection of different styles and sizes and prices of headphones available by going to f5live.tv slash monster. And that music means it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Avram Pilch. Avram, there you are. Of course. Hey. <laughs> You've been here for the whole show, but that's been okay. Here the whole time. But for those of you who are just watching this segment, and why are you just watching this segment? Watch the whole show. Um, uh, I'm here. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at GeekInChief, and you can read all of our articles at LaptopMag.com and Tom'sGuide.com. So, and, uh, so what it, articles have we got going on right now? It's been... Well, uh, it's I, I, I saw in my RSS feed that a lot of reviews went up this week. Yeah, fair amount. We, uh, you know, we uh, we really try to our goal, our mission on Laptop Mag anyway, is to get in all the major laptops and as many of the even minor ones as possible. You know, uh, so that you know, no matter what it is you're considering, we'll have a take on it. Uh, and so, you know, we now we're getting into that back to school season, believe it or not, um, back to school laptops are coming out. And so we're starting to see more and more things, uh, coming into our office, which is great. Uh, very excited this week. We reviewed the HP Spectre, 
which is the world's thinnest uh, laptop. I saw uh, that one. Uh, but this also was a week where you know I uh, I start to think briefly, uh, showing my age. You started about, to think briefly. No. Uh, uh, yes. Normally it's just <laughs> like I don't think at all. I just say things. Um, but briefly, in my brief thought. I was thinking about how back in the 80s when, yes, I was alive uh, and using computers, uh, certain things actually were better than they are now. Um, Now, you know, we could argue about this, but I put out an article, which I invite you all to read and disagree with, called 16 Ways Tech Was Way Better in the 1980s. Uh, And that's on tomsguide.com. And if you'll bear with me, I do think there are some ways in which in which when you use the compute when you used computers and gadgets during the Reagan era, they were, you know, they had some merit to them that we lost. For example, my number one choice is computers shut down, PCs shut down immediately. There's nothing more frustrating right now than when you go to shut down Windows and you see that spinning circle. And it's like shutting down you leave, you know you walk away you come back like 5 minutes later it's still shutting down like why don't you just turn the power off <laughs> i mean you're turning off just off go off what's the problem i mean i know there's technical reasons like it's saving something is trying to turn off processes that you know are probably giving you a hard time shutting down and maybe installing updates all that stuff um, and by the way we have some tips on our on laptopmag.com on how to actually speed up your shutdown uh, but you know, just a reminder to those who, who who weren't who were there and forgot and weren't there. When you had DOS, when you were done with your pro- with whatever program you were using, you just turned the power switch off. That's it. Off. Yep. Instant. Now it takes now it could take like five minutes sometimes. I've had it hang for ten minutes on a new computer with an SSD. So, you know, with Windows ten. So you know, in a way, now of course computers are much simpler then. We've gone backward. Uh, you could also make the case that boot time was actually about the same. Um, if you try to boot into DOS with a floppy disk, you could maybe get get your computer started in about a minute. Now, with Windows 10 and the right SSD, the time, the cold boot time can be 20, maybe 20 to 30 seconds. But on a lot of computers, like let's say my work computer, which is on Windows 7 right now, it could take a good couple of minutes to really get started. So what's going on 30, 35 years into the computer, into the PC era, and our startups and shutdowns are slower than they were on the original IBM PC? Hmm. <laughs> is that progress? Is it progress that... Back in the 80s, you could record as much television as you wanted. And today, we have DVR guilt and DVR anxiety because you can only hold so many hours of programming on there before you run out. Whereas back then, if you were willing to, like, you know, buy 100 VHS tapes, you could just keep recording. My father still has an entire wall of VHS tapes from the 80s of shows he recorded and has never watched. You know, but they're waiting for him if they play. 
You know, so long as you got the hardware to play them, as long as you got the hardware to play them, it was removable media, you know? Yep. Similarly, today, very few people, I'm not saying nobody, but very few people have have what you call POTS, plain old tele- telephone service. Yeah. That is got, used over, you know, copper wire. So back in the day. When the power would go out, when you when you lost power, your phone still worked. You could call people in an emergency because the phone system had its own electricity. Um, right. But now, um, you know, well, if your smartphone continues to has has battery, then you can call people. But if you're on a landline, there's a very good chance that your landline is actually VoIP these days. Or and, uh, yeah, including uh, like FiOS. Right, exactly. Right, it's actually using the internet to make the calls. Right, and and therefore, um, you know, will need not to, be there for you. Needs its own independent power supply. Yep. You know, so, you know, and, I and your UPS is simply not going to run it long enough. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's great for of, short term, but you know, in a hurricane, your UPS isn't going to get the job done. Speaking of power, one of the things that was that was cool back in the day was almost all of your portable gadgets took disposable batteries. Right. So if you had your boombox and you took it to the beach and you like, you know, after two hours it, you, you couldn't you know play anymore, that's okay. You know, you could go to the store or, or in your pocket and reach in and grab like six D batteries and stick them in there or your Walkman, maybe two double A's. And and it could keep rocking, mm-hmm. but now you got to go charge, or you've got to find an external charger. You know, it's not as readily available to you for both now, your speaker and the thing that's making the music. Yes. Now, the progress side of that is you're not throwing out a lot of batteries. Sure. And today's devices are much more complex, and therefore require more power. So even if you could use disposable batteries in your smartphone you probably wouldn't want to because the amount of batteries you would go through would be a little insane absolutely you know but you know it the simpler technology made it easier you know similarly i'll tell you that uh that at a retailer that i used to work at we had a product that you could put two AA batteries in and charge your cell phone off of it so <laughs> That's great. That's, there is that backup process. You see, I mean, there's, there's, oh, there's always, there's always, progress always has its negatives and its positives. And somebody's always going to find a way around. You know, for example, today, if you want high contrast mode on your monitor, you can go and you can, you know, enable it in Windows, and you can get white text on a black background. But there's nothing quite like the high contrast mode you'd have on the original IBM monitor that was green and that was green and black. Like you know, that's ex- you don't get much more contrast than when you've got an amber monitor or a green monitor, and and like the pixels can only be one color, uh, <laughs> and the true. background is always and the background is always black. And those were actually really great for reading. Uh, a lot of people don't remember that they were actually like twice the resolution of the original color monitors too. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things, things, uh, just some things to keep in, to keep in mind in this era of progress that some of the things we left behind were kind of cool, 
in their own in their own way. Uh, and some and the fact that we have certain frustrations today is even more frustrating when looked at through the lens of the past. Like, if we could shut down immediately thirty years ago, why can't we do it now? That's frustrating. Right. Yeah. Where it feels like we've gone the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, it should it should be faster. It should shut down before I want it to. I love that that one of the things on your uh, on your list is a bit of a reference back to the last topic that uh, no viruses uh, they couldn't right? st- couldn't steal your data online yeah i mean they did have viruses in the 80s absolutely but it was hard, very hard to steal somebody's data because most people were not connected to the internet right you know um it was hard to to get online you dial up to a bbs whatever they didn't have viruses targeting that kind of behavior because people were doing it so you know, hey, you would have had to have dialed up to the right BBS and <laughs> right. I mean, think about the the things that had to go right, right, uh, for for someone to be able to steal your data. Plus, they didn't have things like online banking, you know. Right. And look, the technology then was so secure. Our uh, our military, our air force, still uses it in the nuclear silos today. They still use the same floppy disks, which is. A bit hard to think about. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that one, but seriously, they do oh, yeah. use they uh, they they do use the floppy disks still at the missile silos. I don't know if that's reassuring or, or frightening. <laughs> Maybe reassuring because because of exactly what I said. It's you know that keeps you from being online. I was just say it's a little bit down the middle. You know, it's it's both terrifying and reassuring. On the other <laughs> hand, what happens if they have that scratched disk or it's you know. I don't know if you ever tried sticking a like a floppy disk that's sort of half working, but uh, you, the, you know, you sit there with your fingers crossed, like is it going to load my game or is it not? The no mm. the noise that a dying floppy disk would make <laughs> as it was being read is one of the most heart wrenching noises. Yeah, yeah, you just sit there and you're like, is my game going to load or not? <laughs> you you know, know, you know that whatever data is on that disk is not long for this world you know so hopefully that wasn't a disc that you really needed hopefully right exactly hopefully it wasn't like your life's work or it wasn't the nuclear codes it was it was like your backup copy of castle wolfenstein there you go but uh anyway (laughs) more about that on tomsguide.com and i also encourage you all to check out our more serious content uh on things like a uh, like college laptops and uh, back-to-school deals, uh, which we have on LaptopMag.com and Tom'sGuide.com. Very good. And, of course, uh, we will pick up a new topic back here at the same time next week. No no doubt about it. Look All right. Well, forward to it. We will see you for the rest of the show and then uh, again next week. <laughs> yep. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Origin by Electronic Arts. Uh, right now, uh, on the house, Battlefield 4, Second Assault, completely free. You don't have to do 
anything special. Um, you can also get Nox um, for free as well. And of course, we have Origin Access, which is really, really where EA is standing out right now. For $4.99 a month, you get unlimited play of all of the games in the, uh, the Origin Access vault. And that includes things like FIFA 16, Battlefield Hardline, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, The Sims 3, Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, the new SimCity, Peggle, Mass Effect. Basically, the majority of, of games from EA that you would want to play are available for that $4.99. All you can play um, of all the games, it's not like for that $4.99 you can have one at a time. Nope. Play whatever, whenever, however, uh, for four ninety nine a month, and you can get that deal by going to f five live tv slash origin. Obviously, a really great deal for fans of of EA games, who I believe probably just about everybody is a fan of EA games because they make uh, pretty much everything. Yeah, uh, even in the eighties, indeed. Uh, <laughs> Or at least they have purchased all of those things from the 80s because they own Maxis and all kinds of stuff. Uh, PopCap. Yeah. They, they kind of they own all of the games from that era and the next decade as well. Um, and interestingly, in that, in that kind of category, um, we've gone from what was originally considered to be casual gaming to more mobile gaming, but in general, they're the same games, right? You know, you've got things like Bejeweled and things like that that kind of rule the world. Bejeweled may have gotten a facelift and a bit of a theft and become the game we were talking about at the beginning of the show that is included with Windows 10 often, uh, which is, uh, I can never come up with the name of it, Candy Crush. Well, right, the one that comes with Windows 10 is specifically Candy Crush Soda Saga. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know... Because that's really important. Like, absolutely. If, like, <laughs> for some people, that is... One Candy Crush versus another. That is an essential uh, separator. I know my mother was very disappointed for a short while that one of the games wasn't available on her new phone. I don't know why. I I can't get into those types of games, but it doesn't matter because here's the thing. Um, in two years' time, it is suspected that that, in, that part of the industry, that the mobile and casual game market, will take up at least 40% of the industry as a whole, which is a frightening percentage. Uh, that number uh, probably leads us into what happened this week, where the studio Supercell, who is a studio you've probably not heard of, even if you play their big game, uh, was sold, at least a large portion of it was sold for a very large amount of money. Uh, the game they produce, or the I guess the franchise they produce, is Clash of Clans, mm. which we right. have probably all heard of. And if you watched the Super Bowl, you couldn't avoid it because they advertised several times <laughs> during the Super Bowl, which was interesting. Um, they sold from their, I guess, previous parent company, which is uh, SoftBank, which, yes, is the same company that owns Sprint here in the United States. Uh, SoftBank sold 84% of their stock, their stake in the company, to Chinese developer Tencent 
for $8.57 billion, which values the studio that produces Clash of Clans at $10.2 billion. Now, I find it very important to put that number into perspective because it is a number larger than most or probably, yeah, almost all human beings can wrap their head around. So let me put this into perspective for you real quick. In 2014, Microsoft purchased Minecraft and its studio for $2.5 billion. The same year, Facebook purchased Oculus for $2 billion. In 2012, Facebook purchased Instagram for $1 billion. And the same year, Disney purchased Lucasfilm for $4 billion. If you combine all of those purchases together, they do not equate to the new value of Supercell, a studio whose name you've probably never heard of. Wow. I need the number of the business development people at Tencent because I'd like to sell them a plug-in. <laughs> oh, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll give it to them real cheap. You know, like real cheap, maybe $5, 10000000 million. You know, um, it seems like it's just a drop in the bucket for them. I mean, they have the money to throw around, obviously. Look, there are few things on Earth that are probably more valuable than than the intellectual property that, say, Lucasfilm had. So to say that this, you know, kind of flavor of the moment uh, mobile gaming house is worth $10 billion is ridiculous. Two and a half times the value of Lucasfilm. No. So yeah. two and a half times the value of Star Wars and Indiana Jones combined. Yeah, that's 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 madness. That's that's madness. And uh Gee, I, I hope, I hope it doesn't portend, you know, another bubble, um, you know, because as you could tell from my article about the '80s, I've been around a little while, and you know, in in around 2000 or so, you know, a lot of really great businesses that were slightly overvalued, you know, came, you know, got really hurt because people were saying, well, internet stuff is overvalued. And they had a few examples of websites that really, really were overvalued. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, and you know, at some point, stories like like this one will be a cautionary tale. Uh -huh. It doesn't matter whether Clash of Clans continues and succeeds and, and continues to thrive, or they come out with something, another piece of intellectual property that's also valuable. It's not. It's not worth what they paid for it. It's not worth ten billion dollars. At the point at which it's worth $10 billion, then Lucasfilm is worth $100 billion. And, right. And Minecraft is worth $50 billion. You know, um, I mean, my, my, you know, a billion dollars in Minecraft seemed like a lot, but that's a global phenomenon. It's sort of a platform. Okay. It's a, and it's literally available everywhere. You know, it, it, it's, it's kind of proven itself over time, I think. Mm -hmm. to be to have some staying power i do think that it may be a fad as well but at least it's been a fad that's been around but you know what it's it's digital software legos it and and lego has been around forever and Wait. that fad has not slowed down in fact it has gotten bigger i uh uh, Danielle and Marissa and I reviewed or began the process of reviewing a product on Friday that is the combination of Arduino and Lego. Yeah. Like, I mean, I just passed by the Lego store today with my son and 
Oh man, yeah. I mean, that's timeless. So that's a timeless thing. So I can understand where where Minecraft comes from, right? I can I can see that, but but only at two and a half billion dollars. This this company is now valued at four times that. How much is how much is an old copy of Civilization on a floppy worth? <laughs> Isn't that sort of like Lash of the Clans? I, uh, you know, I think so. <laughs> or Warcraft Two. It'll run offline. Um, right. Yeah, I mean that's we're just that's gonna crazy. tie all the stories together tonight, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, crazy. We're gonna make it a little more difficult here in a minute. <laughs> but yeah, I just it, it was mostly a uh, uh, like you said, a bit of a cautionary tale because okay, before this, our our big story, our our big number that we couldn't believe was when Activision purchased King last year for five point nine billion dollars. And that was a ridiculous amount of money. And today, it's it seems small because it's almost half. Yeah, six versus ten point two. I mean, that's what. You know, the thing is, every technology has its day, right? Uh-huh. Yep. And so, right now. Right now, at least for in some spheres. Mobile, and I put this in air quotes, is hot. Mobile has always been hot. People have been wanting, you know, smartphones and smartphone apps for for a while. Yep. You know, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. But when you treat it like it's some type of a magic trend, like mobile, yeah. people don't want people don't want stuff on their computer anymore. They want mobile. It reminds me of a few years ago when everything was tablets. Uh-huh. Oh, we don't want phones anymore and we don't want laptops anymore. It's tablets. Now, the number, the top selling tablets are all two in ones that are actually laptops. Right. So, so, but you know what? You know, there, we, we always see these little temporary it's, it, trends it's, like that because we had netbooks before that too that lasted fact. like an hour and a half. <laughs> it, it's it's a fad. so you know like mobile games are not a fad they're not going anywhere right. but this idea that there is this sort of special class of like mobile games and that's what everybody wants uh-huh. Meh. I do think that gaming has opened up to more people in the last several years Absolutely. because of smartphones and because you know because of the ubiquity of that stuff people and, can can play more often yes and we were just discussing the the expansion of the gaming market by talking about my mother being disappointed that a certain game wasn't available on her phone yep you know, <laughs> you know yeah i mean my my mother plays you know is is probably you know of the same generation as your mom uh, if not older and you know, she, you know, she loved her solitaire, but once she got a smartphone, mm-hmm. it's like it's words with friends and things like that yeah. for her. But yeah, I mean, so more people are doing casual gaming. At the same time, you're also seeing PC gaming is actually doing really, really well. Yeah. Console gaming might be the the area where you might see some some weakness. But even then, everyone in the tech space that I talk to loves gaming. Yeah. What I mean is, I don't mean that everybody loves to play games. That that's true too. Of course. But everybody who makes hardware loves gaming, 
because gamer gamers are the people who real like not casual gamers but like serious gamers right. spend big money uh-huh. on especially on you know new PCs and new Special accessories rigs. whatever. So everybody loves those folks. Like uh-huh. keep you know keep them coming. You know that that's um, so the future of gaming is bright. The future of serious gaming is bright. The future of casual gaming is is bright for the gamer, but I don't think that because you had one or two, you know, successes in kind of a nascent market, that that means that you're a ten billion dollar company. Right. I believe that this is what we in the industry refer to as a unicorn. Yeah. <laughs> This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you because, you know, that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000, not the guys who will be doing the reboot, are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies from blockbusters to something called Don't Get Angry, where a kid in black and white is just punching a punching bag. Um, they obviously have a little bit of everything. Uh, the way it usually works is for a couple bucks, you uh, download the MP3, play it along with your DV, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, wherever it happens to reside, and laugh and laugh and laugh. And of course, from time to time, they do special events. Um, this week, in two days, on Tuesday, June 28th, They have a Mystery Science Theater 3000 cast reunion. Essentially, everybody who was involved in the original series will be in one theater at once doing a whole bunch of stuff. I don't know exactly what they're going to do. I've been trying to get more information, and they're being a little secretive about it in kind of a wonderful way. Um, And if you're not available Tuesday, there will be an encore presentation on July 12th, uh, also in theaters nationwide. To find out the theaters, you can see this wonderful event in or find out what movies are available you can go to f5live.tv slash riff tracks with an x i have been looking forward to this cast reunion uh since they announced it last year (laughs) and they've basically gotten everybody back together i can't wait um sounds really cool i can't see it this week i'm gonna have to see the the uh the second one but that's okay um anyway so Let's see how we can tie this into the the narrative for the evening. Uh, Google Fiber is a name that we probably all know, but um, not terribly well as it's only available in six cities. Um, They have announced the acquisition of a company called WebPass, which also offers gigabit internet service in six markets that they are not currently in. Two of them they're currently building out in, but it's six markets that they are not in. they have not announced numbers yet until probably um, they get their FCC and FTC approval and all the things that go along with a major purchase like this. Um, but the thing that's interesting about WebPass is unlike Google Fiber, where it's based on running Fiber, similar to, to Fios, right, which is available in a lot more markets than Google Fiber is, um, WebPass uses peer-to-peer point-to-point wireless so the idea is like 
you've got an apartment building that's got lots of units in it. Let's let's use New York as a good example, right? You've got a building that's got lots of apartments in it. Uh, what they'll do is they'll put an antenna on top and then a hub inside and using point to point, they don't have to do any, uh, they don't have to deal with any of the annoyances of easements and installation down sidewalks and all of the things that would go along normally with an installation like this in, say, New York, they don't have to deal with any of that nonsense. Uh, they just put an antenna on top of the building, put a hub inside, and they're done. And now the entire building can be lit up with gigabit internet. Hmm. That's a pretty clever idea. I'd like to see that work. Uh, that's, uh, I mean... I live before I moved to the house I'm in now. As you know, I lived in this, I guess it was 16 floors because they didn't have a 13, 16 floor apartment building. Okay. And we had about, I don't know, 12 units on a floor. So it's hard to imagine. I mean, especially you've got interference and walls and more. I, I'd love to try it. Well, I mean, it, that so sounds impressive. So it's not wireless once you get into the building. They're going to run from a hub. They're going to run cabling to the individual residences. Ah. But it's it's point to point. It's from, from their facility to the top of your building. It's wireless. So they don't have to deal with uh. any of the stuff about outside dealing with cities and counties and sidewalks and easements and whether or not you're competing for space underground with Verizon or the power company or, you know... All of that is avoided by just putting an antenna on top of the building, putting a hub in the building, and then running individual lines to the residences. So how does that work if you have a house? It you doesn't. You just get a receiver on your house? Nope, it doesn't. Uh, currently, no. the service... <laughs> that was a good question. That <laughs> leads into the next part. Uh, currently, it is not available in uh, single residence buildings. Um, hmm. Now, under Google, there's no telling what might happen, um, but under... Under web passes management, they said that it was not cost effective um, to deal with individual residences, which makes sense to me. Now, when you take that in, say, San Fran, right, mm -hmm. where this service currently runs and Google Fiber is in the process of installing, if you pair those together, all of a sudden Google Fiber doesn't have to install uh, ha doesn't have to deal with the residents, the uh, the easements, and all that stuff for in installation into into office buildings and apartments and condos and all of that. All they have to do is focus on uh, standalone installations. It'll make their their uh, their build out easier, less expensive. Less expensive is always good when you're trying to uh, provide a service for less than what appears to be. Uh, the national going rate for said service. <laughs> so keeping costs down is always a good thing. Um, they're currently operating in San Fran, San Diego, Miami, Chicago, Boston, and somewhere else. I don't remember the city. Um, and San Fran and San Diego are two of the cities that Google Fiber is currently building out in. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they make the decision to pair those two services together. Um, there has been no official announcement on how any of that's going to work. Uh, which is fine. I wouldn't have expected any of that yet. It's way too early. They just made the announcement this week. My guess is they don't know how it's going to work. And that is okay. You know, it was easier to start to run a national ISP in the 80s. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because um, 
you also didn't need to build infrastructure. You had the telephone line. Yeah. And so and as a user, but, it was easier too. Uh, but, you know, you had to connect at 56.6 or at the max. Yeah. That wasn't even the 80s. That was the 90s. But, but of course, uh, you also had to, to manage a, a pretty major phone bank. Yes. So there was there was some infrastructure. But you're right. It didn't require uh, like easements and county access and all of that nonsense. So you're absolutely right. It would have been a whole lot easier to set up an ISP in the 80s. See, good job. So it ties, it ties wow. together, but but uh, one more apart, story to go. <laughs> apart from that, it sounds good. It, it, it sounds it sounds good. It, it begs the question for me: at what point, when, like, is the future going to be all wireless, and at what point will it be? Right. Um, you know, right now with four G, we're actually going backward in terms of bandwidth availability to some extent because you know some manufacturers some ISPs some you know some of the carriers used to offer unlimited plans and now they're trying not to offer unlimited plans right. so the cost of data is actually going up for people uh, but you may remember a few years ago when WiMAX do you remember WiMAX? Uh -huh. I've got a couple of WiMAX devices around here Hey, uh, when WiMAX was a thing, um, they used to sell a WiMAX home hub. Yeah, Clearwire uh, did. Yes, it was Clearwire, right? Yeah. That's, that's the company. Yep. Um, and their home hub, uh, you know, was meant to be used as your home internet. Yep. Uh, so that you wouldn't need to have a wire... Uh, run to your home. Yep, it was uh, designed uh, just like uh, most cable modems today. It had uh, uh, four Ethernets out. It we sold them in that same retail establishment that we were talking about earlier. <laughs> we we yeah. carried clear wire in store. Yeah, it was it was a nice idea. I mean, the, the throughput wasn't very good, and we didn't have it here in New York. I, uh, the closest to here, I think, was where you could get was Philadelphia. Oh. Um, or at least that was when we first started testing it. Anyway, we we were the test market for it, as we tend to be. So there there was a presence in, in Philly because I know that we went and did WiMAX testing over there. Gotcha. I had to take a few different trains out there for a laptop, actually sitting around testing WiMAX for a day, and <laughs> like in Philly. But anyway, I thought it was a really good idea that they were trying to give you a wireless home internet solution. Yep. Uh, and I believe another thing sort of approaching that was, I don't think they have any more, but didn't DISH have a satellite uh, service where you could get satellite internet? But then it was had... HughesNet. Oh. And then uh, you... Which was, which was a, an offering of DirecTV. Right, right. That's right. But then there was issues because I think you had to dial up For via us. phone or something to, to do the upload. Uh-huh. Which is, which is terrible. But <laughs> Yep. Um, so we, we carried that too. We didn't sell it, but we carried that too. <laughs> so that's my long-winded way of saying that this has been tried before, sort of. Um, and I think everybody would like to see, uh, you know, would like to see their home internet be done wirelessly. Um, so if they're able to do it, uh, that would be that would be great. Um, right now, there's nothing even close. Um, you know, 4G LTE 
sadly, when I was on cable internet back in, in the city, sometimes my 4G LTE phone was actually faster than the cable internet. I remember. Since I... Since I've moved moved out moved uh, to Long Island where I am now, and I'm on FiOS as my home internet, uh, the home internet's a bit better than uh, than the than, than my phone. But um, you know, the possibility is out there. I'd like to see I like to see what they do with it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see both how Google takes advantage of the technology that they've just purchased. And how they pair it with a service that they're already offering in six cities with six under development. Adding these six into the thing, it'll be interesting to see how Google makes it, makes the decision to uh, to pair the offerings together. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to I'd like to see how far are we away from a world where you don't need to run wires to someone's house. Sounds like still pretty far but um but interesting it's uh good for them you know we i don't think anybody who doesn't work for a cable or internet you know uh carrier would argue that we don't that we have enough competition in the broadband business yeah i agree i i think well i think in in any market adding competitors just makes everybody have to be better so yeah and this is but this is a market where there's really little competition yep. i forget the numbers but there's some ridiculous amount percentage of 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 americans who only have one possible broadband provider uh and then for you know for many different reasons right and then there are others who you know maybe they have two mm-hmm. so where there are you know, actually, if you if you count the smaller carriers, like at least a dozen viable uh, smartphone, uh, you know, four G carriers for you. Yeah, most people are lucky to have two two possibilities for right. broadband. Or at the at the very least, if you if you just take the the big four on on wireless, yeah. you can guarantee in the United States that the big four are all vying for your business. Right, and, exactly. And what happens there? We see constant like price innovations and you know, and on hardware changes, and everybody wants to one up the other three because you have to stand out. And I mean, John Legere from T-Mobile has certainly taken a different approach to it. But you know what? That's that's exactly what happens when you have good stiff competition in a marketplace. Is you know, people start trying to figure out how to stand out, and you end up with a crazy person like John Legere doing crazy things and succeeding with it. He's overtaken Sprint. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> when he took an... over that company, we all thought, "Oh my God, he's going to put them out of business," because <laughs> he seemed insane, which he is. But it seems to be working for them. T-Mobile, T-Mobile is an incredible innovator. Uh, you know, there's there's no question about it. And uh, you know, it would be great. Google, Google is a great innovator when they try it, when they put their effort behind something. Yeah. So, you know, so it'll be. It'll please be come to, to my town, Google. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Uh, um, yeah. We we're having a bit of a shakeup here. Um, 
in in broadband, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what's going to happen there too. Fingers crossed that the exclusive contract for our building will change. It probably won't, but I'm hoping. <laughs> it's 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 rough when you're it's rough when you're in a in a condo or co-op or uh, you know apartment any multi-tenant, whether it be commercial or residential. You know, now I to go off the. You know, I lived in a in a condo building mm-hmm. for years, and you know there was like a rebellion because people did not want to have Time Warner. They wanted to have Verizon FiOS, and the building had signed some kind of exclusivity exclusivity deal with Time Warner. So yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully this will start to to shake it shake things up in some new markets. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove Music. Uh, 40 million plus tracks available to stream and download on just about any device you could want, whether it be uh, Windows, iOS, uh, Android, Xbox, or just in a web browser. You can almost certainly use this service. The good thing is, it's only $9.99 a month. Of course, you can uh, get a free 30-day trial right now. And if you like it, you can sign up for a full year for $99.90. Basically, they'll give you two months for free for paying ahead. And you can find out all of that. Get your free trial. Definitely get the free trial. You can use it everywhere. I use it all the time. It's definitely worth the time to set up the trial. Uh, You can do that by going to f5live.tv slash groove. All right. And now let's talk about Netflix. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, we all net- know Netflix is great, right? We, we probably all use it. It's become fairly indispensable for most people with Internet. You know, you can watch uh, both movies and television. You can they've got comedy specials and, you know, original content and <clears throat> all of this this stuff from Marvel and you know they're they're doing all kinds of cool stuff but of course there's a flaw <laughs> and that flaw is if you don't have internet access uh, you're doomed there's nothing you can do about it you're gonna have to either go over to Amazon which allows you to to download movies and uh, and watch them offline or you know the other thing that people do is they resort to different ways of downloading content illegally uh, Neither one are necessarily what you want to do because you're not going to get House of Cards that way, right? No. You're not going to get Orange is the New Black. You're not going to get any of the, the, the Netflix original Marvel stuff. You've got to be on Netflix to do it. And uh, if you're on an airplane, you either have to pay for the internet or you can't use it. And boy, is that disappointing. You can't really – you can't use it on an airplane anyway because – even if you pay for internet, because there's no broadband on the airplane that's right. good enough for streaming. So there you go. And, and in fact, I think a lot of the the GoGo and stuff that's actually against their terms Probably of service block it. stream. Yeah. So so it's physically impossible. So obviously, people have wanted a way to uh, to deal with this. Amazon gives us a way to deal with it. Why can't Netflix? Netflix has always said. Well, customers just haven't asked for it. Uh, 
which yeah, we know not to not be true <laughs> because we see petitions online all the time uh, for this capability. Um, well, rumor has it <laughs> that it's in the works. Uh, the rumor comes to us uh, care of the chief operating officer of a company called Panthera, which you've probably never heard of, but that's okay because they work on back-end uh, technologies uh, that just happen to be in the video downloading, storing, and uh, temporary retrieval of uh, services, <laughs> which it seems like somebody in that space would be somebody to listen to, um, because likely the reason why this rumor exists is Netflix has either contacted them and negotiations fell apart, or they're working on a solution uh, to put this together. There was no hard confirmation, but uh, the chief operating officer said, we know from our sources within the industry that Netflix is going to launch this product. My expectation is that by the end of the year, Netflix will be launching download to go as an option for their customers. So that's good news for us, Abram. It means that we could uh, download Netflix stuff, have good quality, and watch it on the way to CES. Yeah, but you know, here's, I think it's more important. Like a lot of people say, oh, what about an airplane? And so the argument from people like I heard the CEO of Netflix say this is, well, you know, on an airplane that much. Maybe we'll find a way to put a Netflix server on the airplane, which is a ridiculous idea. Yes, it is. Um, but I subscribed to Amazon uh, Amazon Prime uh, last fall, and I did it primarily because of the video, because of the offline video. Oh, not because uh, of Prime Day. No, I, I I missed Prime Day. I was well, you know what? I was on a trial. And I kind of let the trial go, and I started using it. And um, there are a couple of shows on Prime that I actually really – original shows that I actually really like. Um, although now I've watched them, I kind of don't have a lot to do with it. But at least I got my packages in two days. So you know, I, I really liked um, Man in the High Castle. Highly recommended. Yep. Um, original. And uh, I really liked Bosch. Uh, I, I recommend that. It's a detective show. They had two seasons of it. Um, I, I liked Alpha House. Ha, have not watched that yet. Anyway, to, to kind of put an underscore on that, it's not just the plane. There's a lot of areas where broadband is unreliable. Yep. Um, for me, it's my morning commute. Mm -hmm. uh, I, take, I now take a Long Island Railroad train that takes around 40, 45 minutes um, each way. It's above ground. So in theory, we have internet. And we do have internet for a decent chunk of that. But it's not consistently 4G internet. Got it. At some points, it's 3G. At some points, it's 1G. Ooh. At some points, it's like it's not consistent through throughout the, the, the experience. And, you know... And so you can't stream. Like if you try to stream anything with any seriousness, it buffers and buffers, and it. it's a it's an exercise in frustration. Uh, so even in my house, um, I kind of prefer, you know, if I was using it to to have it downloaded first, because then for sure, 
you know, I'm getting a continuous stream, so a continuous, you know, video without interruption. Right. So you don't have to I, worry about your even your home Wi-Fi choking for a second as we watched our own network here in the office do earlier in this show. It happens, unfortunately, happens to me at home a lot. Uh, uh, although it, this time it wasn't my fault, but but it does it does happen in the ha- in my house, particularly upstairs. I just got an, an extender to try and fix that. But point being, yes, internet can be unreliable even in your house, even in your office, even uh, even when you're at uh, you know, hey, you're traveling to a hotel, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not just it's not just the air it's not just being on the airplane where are you going to get consistent good quality high broadband in your hotel it might be the case that your hotel internet is not very good uh not good enough to stream netflix chances are such as the plaza in downtown las vegas in fact almost every hotel the internet's not very good yeah unless you pay extra or something right you don't want to do that or your and your phone may not get good reception in the hotel room. And wait, even if your phone does get good reception in the hotel room, you're paying for that for that data, and that goes by pretty fast when you're on something like a Netflix. So again, absolutely, don't don't you want to download the whole season of whatever of Daredevil? Right. When you're in when you're in your house with the good Wi-Fi that you don't have to pay extra for, and then watch it when you're out. So it's what I it's what I do with. My music on Groove. I have my regular music I have downloaded to my phone so that I'm not having to hope that the internet is good when I want to watch it. Exactly. Listen to it. Exactly. I do that with Spotify. So so we've, we've proven the concept in music now for a long time. Why is video any different? I don't think it is. I think it's licensing. They don't. They probably have a variety of that they don't want yeah. to have to deal with companies maybe wanting to charge them extra for for that capability. Just like when Hulu offered the ad free option, there were still a bunch of shows that were not entirely ad free because they couldn't get the licensing for it. Right. So it's more negotiation for them. But Amazon, I guess, was willing to do it. Um, because I found that it works not only with Amazon's own shows, but actually a lot of their third-party content as well. So, uh, you know, it's extremely, extremely helpful. Uh, So Netflix should have done this five years ago or whatever. You should have done this a long time ago. I agree. um, It's been long proven that they should have done it. So, you know, I'm... I guess my my overall comment on this is, I'm not impressed because you should have already done it, right. and other people of other someone else is already doing it. So, be be more impressed if the selection in Netflix got a little better. Yeah, but, well, there's certainly that. You know, because I'm I'm one who who subscribes to it, and I'm like, except for you know that the Marvel shows generally the last while I've been like, nothing on here is actually really worth watching. Mm. You know, or or if it was, I already watched it before it I came to say, Netflix. I just I just finished uh, shortly before the show started. I finished watching, uh, rewatching Star Trek Voyager for the manyth time. Yeah, I guess if you're a rewatcher of stuff, which I don't know, I just don't really do much unless I'm going to show it to my son or something. Gotcha. So 
you know, I kind of like, well, I should watch stuff I haven't seen because life is so short. Um, <laughs> anyway, but that's a, that's a, that's another conversation. But yes, they should they should do it, uh, and they've been toying with it for years and talking and denying it for years. Just do it already. Well, please. Ho- hopefully we will see it either. Hopefully we will see it before the end of the year. So, fingers crossed on that one. Yeah, I I hope so. And that is our show. Thank you to everybody who has been joining us uh, live. We've seen people come and go all through the show. We appreciate you uh, taking the time out of your Sunday night to join us. Uh, For those of you who are not listening live and have subscribed, thank you over there as well. Remember that you can always join us live in the studio Sunday nights at 9 p.m. by going to f5live.tv slash join us. One of the cool things is you can talk to us live in the studio, uh, ask questions about the topics. Uh, In particular, the place that we get the most questions during a show tends to be during the pilch point because we kind of rapid fire a little bit on, on his topics, which is fun and really gets people engaged. So, uh, if you are subscribed, thank you. But remember, you can also join us live and uh, have fun live in the studio with us. It's it's good. Um, so um, we are back. The world hopefully is going to start treating us better starting now. Um, we have no intention of, of taking any hiatuses uh, anytime soon. Uh, like I said a couple of weeks ago, uh, this room will be a little different probably every week. Sometimes uh, Avram's screen will be there. Sometimes another human being may be there. Um, whatever it is that uh, makes the show go any particular week is how we'll go. Uh, we'll have some guest hosts over the next couple of weeks and things like that. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight, though. And uh, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys next week. Ciao.